seeing so many people, you know, share ornaments, you know, and be like, and this, this is fitness. And, uh, and really like when you actually look at what the definition is of success and what the definition is of healthy, you know, um, it doesn't look like anything that's being sold. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, we have a rare repeat podcast guest, James Fitzgerald. James was the first ever men's champion at the CrossFit Games back in 2007. And since then, he's built a reputation as one of the fitness industry's most thoughtful and prolific coaches. His company, OPEX, offers a variety of online coaching and education resources, and they have been for years, which gives James nearly unparalleled insight into macro trends and fitness. But our conversation here goes deeper than the latest and greatest in working out. James gets candid about discussing how the question, why do we work out, has more flawed answers than honesty. If you've ever wanted to dive into the philosophy of exercise, training, and, well, the human condition, this is certainly an episode we hope you'll enjoy. Now let's get to the show. James, I really appreciate you coming back on the podcast. You're one of the few people brave enough to join us again on the Barbend podcast. I'm kidding. This is not, this is not one where... Being a guest is that painful, I hope, but thank you for coming back on. Um, how have things been? It's been over a year since we've chatted. Yeah, yeah, things have been great. Um, am I, uh, where am I on the list of the second, uh, the second time, second timers? Do you think I'm, uh, I'm like top 10 for being second time? I, I think there are, I think there have been fewer than 10. So oh. you're definitely top to us uh, for a second time. Wow. That makes me feel special. I needed that for this morning. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I do. I have great uh, recollection of our last time we chatted. Uh, you asked some great questions. I was really appreciative of that. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting again to answer your question. Um, right now, well, it's uh, it's sunny in Arizona. And uh, we have a number of coaches coming together this weekend that are part of our OPEX family. And, uh, that's our, that's the main thing that's happening at the current, current time. I know that I know you as a road warrior, as someone who I've, I've seen in multiple locations when we've crossed paths in person in the past, I think last time we chatted was pre kind of pre COVID pre lockdown and pre shutdown. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. And and so I'm kind of curious how, how your workflow, your day to day and, and really what you're doing had to adapt um, in the past, call it 18 months. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> it's like, I don't know if we could, I don't know if we could discuss like what has happened over the past two years in that, in that answer. Um, and I don't think I can either based upon my story, but some big things, um, first thing that comes to mind is that we were, uh, early adopters for the, let's call it the online concept of communication and education for fitness. So, it wasn't too difficult to kind of like rewire things and move stuff here and, you know, act accordingly. Uh, but uh, with regards to business, like our actual geographical location, uh, which doesn't really affect this conversation, but it does affect OPEX, is that a number of our uh, staff uh, 
didn't come into work either due to local regulations or just choice. And, uh, and we kept rolling and, uh, we just recognized, man, we have this monster facility is 15,000 square foot facility. Um, and there was a license inside of it. And, uh, we just recognized there's way too much space for who was coming in and who was using it. So the license went to another location, which is smaller and we're now in a smaller location. So those are the two things I can think of, like, since that period of time, there's so many other stuff, but, um, I'm very, uh, I'm very happy. Um, we're fortunate, uh, but we also did a lot of work prior to that, that I think was, we were able to, we're almost like, uh, the way I describe it is like a, is like a softwood tree where we're stable, but we're, we were all, we're also really flexible. You know, we could put up with the storms and, and maintain resilience based upon that. So, um, we're good. That is one of the more Zen quotes I've ever heard in the fitness industry. So I, I do appreciate it. I might, I might steal that. Be like a Oh, no problem. Dream. No problem. It's a great, I, I don't know. I've, it's a great analogy, right? Because I always talk about how coaches, you know, in, in those difficult times with clients, it's really important for us to maintain some rigidity, right? And a rigidity and analogy would be like a, a tree because a tree can maintain all the storms, i.e. client issues and client problems and et cetera, but we stay consistent and we're still going to be there. Right. Um, but it's not just a tree. It's like, you know, you got to be flexible. If someone says anyways, so it's a, uh, yeah, I kind of like it. I, I prefer that. I mean, I think it's more relevant to what you do and to the fitness industry. There's that famous Bruce Lee quote, be like water, water fill, fills the shape of the, of the container. If it's in a cup, it becomes the cup. So be like a softwood tree. Be stable, be consistent, be there, be pre- be predictable, but flexible. I absolutely love it. When heading into a time, you are a, a coach of coaches, a master coach of coaches in many ways. Not to not to dumb, I don't mean to dumb it down, but that's that's no. what yeah. I would call no, you. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. When when COVID hit, when lockdowns hit, I should say, restrictions hit and people in, in different countries. And I know you you all in the OPEX team works with clients all around the world and gyms all around the world, but you have different sorts of restrictions early on. Some people have access to gyms. Some people have access to home gyms. Some people don't. Some people are basically stuck at home. Were you all inundated with requests from, from coaches or questions about, hey, what do I do? How do I work with clients? How do I adapt adapt training protocols for folks who might not have any equipment or might be very restricted in what they have access to. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, um, again, based upon us being in the game for a long time, uh, we were kind of sought out more frequently and we can tell that based upon numbers, um, that, uh, yeah, people needed to figure out how to do this thing now, you know, if it's, if fitness was social and now social is different, then, how we're going to operate it. And it's obvious that the public and globally people were like, we should look to the individuals that had a footprint already in the technological space and information sharing space for fitness education. Um, and we were one of those groups. So we, uh, we acted like the professional, whatever that means inside of the fitness, <laughs> fitness thing. Um, and yeah, we, we enjoyed that. Um, as far as like, you know, uh, to continue that story on how we benefited from that, um, I think it was just more like a philanthropic, um, you know, <laughs> philanthropic thing, you know, uh, meaning like we didn't get a, a numerous number of increased gyms that built up. We didn't get, a, you know, 2x times clients online. 
we didn't get, you know, two X per coaches signing up for CCP per month. Right. And that's our bottom lines. Right. So, so what, what did we get from that? We just felt good. (laughs) We just felt good about saying, listen, so, and just to finish on that point, one thing I found super interesting from that, and I appreciate you asking the question um, of going back and revisiting it. It really was a fundamental shift for me in thinking based upon what is happening in fitness for the amount of people that didn't know what to do. That was a really big um, aha moment for me. And I don't have, I'm not, I'm not surprised by a lot, but, uh, (laughs) but that, you know, and just because of my experience or age too, but um, that surprised me. That kind of took me back. Um, I kind of had a very cynical and for pessimistic view for a couple of years there of like, geez, like what, what have we, have we really built up this whole fitness movement on a really poor base of support? And, uh, this is why, you know, like you asked me earlier, I think intentions of fitness are really important now based upon that aha moment I got where people are like, Oh my God, I can't do this. It's like, you could walk, you could do some air squats, you know, and, and that was so simple that people couldn't, couldn't get that it, it like blew my mind. It's like, but it's free. Like that fitness is free. You know, you don't, you don't. So it made me look at the dependency model, the, the dependency relationship model, the commercial interests involved in making the whole thing spin. It, uh, it was fascinating. One of the best conversations I had early on during lockdown was I had, I, he might've been our first repeat podcast guest. Um, certainly one of the first few Kale Beck, and he's a strongman athlete and coach. Uh, he's the founder of Starting Strongman, which is a, a fantastic and was a great early resource for people interested in that. that. And, and he had a really good point. I brought him on to the podcast. I had brought a, a weightlifter on. Chad Vaughn came on. Uh, Chad Wesley Smith came on for more from the powerlifting and, and GPP strength space. And Kale came on and it was all about, okay, if you're training at home, what are some, some things you can do to train at home? And he brought up a really good point. He said that, look... We've gotten overcomplicated. I train strongman athletes. The whole point of strongman is to pick up odd objects and 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 pick up rocks. So it's amazing how many folks who don't have access to a gym now forget that they can just go outside and I don't know, pick up rocks or you know hold your dog and do goblet squats or zercher squats with your dog. He's just kind of he's he's like it's we're training so much and spending all this money to travel around and hire coaches to teach you how to like lift logs and rocks. Why don't you just go do some of that? And it was a very interesting inflection point for me. And I went, oh my goodness, what are we doing as, as a fitness industry? Yeah. I want to dig a little more into what you said and, and not to like stay mired in the pessimism, but I'm curious about that pessimism that yeah. had built up. And, yeah. and, and I, it seems like you're kind of on the other side of some of that now, but what were some of the factors that, that contributed to that? And, and how did that start accruing, um, you know, call it a couple of years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I think it's because I I just don't know if it's just with age or over time, we just don't like to be wrong. You know, I think, (laughs) or anyways, I don't like to be wrong. You know, I never like to be wrong. And I think that's, it felt, you know, shameful and it felt, uh, it felt embarrassing. Um, and, uh, it felt burdensome, you know, to, to know, to, you know, just imagine and try and create an analogy for it, but you're just like, you're just hiking along and pulling all these people with you and it's all butterflies and rainbows. Right. And then, and then something happens and no one's with you and no one thinks the same way. 
you know, and, and you gotta, you gotta go like, well, maybe all that I thought was like what was happening there definitely had some, some oomph to it, you know, but really it was a blob. It was like a metaphorical story. It's just like a, a dance. I like to call it. It was just a dance. It's like, well, well, what are we doing? Well, I mean, there's a couple people over here that do good and therefore that's what we should all do. It's like, that's just a couple people. Like what, what about the 97% of everyone else, you know, who, who, who can't make it consistent, who, who don't have the competency of the accessibility to a rock, right? Like these are, these are the, uh, the things that brought me, I guess, into that state. And, and based on your use of word, I don't even know if pessimism is the right word, David, but um, maybe it's not, maybe it's, maybe it's cynicism, you know? And I think, I think fitness professionals need to be a cynic, I believe, you know, um, and it's just based upon the current landscape, right? We're not really valued in society. And if you're not really valued in society, then the kind of things that you're going to say is going to sound like crazy talk most of the times, right? So you got to be able to be, I guess, a cynic and that, that kind of probably leads into my, my pessimistic outlook on it. I appreciate you supporting that. It's a very difficult thing to, I mean, it, it's very fun to talk about the peaks. It's very fun to talk about the climb out of the valleys. But talking about those low points, uh, be it a physical low point, be it a professional low point, or be it just an, a low point of outlook, right? You're someone with a long career in fitness. It's, it's not like suddenly you were out of a job or that the business wasn't doing well, but the, the why can change. And that can be a difficult thing to climb out of. And let's, I do want to talk a little bit. You do mention cynicism. You're someone I know who has a very, very good sense of dry humor. Um, so uh, I, 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 yeah, I found that fairly consistent among fitness professionals sometimes, especially the longer people are in the space, the drier the humor gets. So that's one reason we're, we're, we have videos so that I can actually see your facial expressions today. Otherwise, I might miss some of the sarcasm entirely. And then I'd look really dumb. But let's talk about kind of climbing out of that in the past two years. And you know this aha moment, which you said is very rare for you. You are a, a veteran of the space. And I make no reservations in saying that. So these aha moments come more infrequently and more infrequently, just like training PRs will come more infrequently the longer you do it. How did that? How did that start? Take take me through that mental process a little bit. Yeah, well, the first thing I thought of as you were asking me was I think I uh, just in a in a phase shift in my career, I spent a lot less time on the floor, and I spent therefore a lot more time creating and I guess call it more in the cognitive space than in the physical space. So I think that's probably what you know, made me do a lot more reflection and contemplation and uh, kind of like, you know, 30,000 foot view kind of things. Um, my, my level of quasi maturity, you know, being in the game for a long period of time. I think all those things kind of led to me getting to that point of let's think about this a little bit more, right? Like uh, asking big questions, David, like, you know, personally for me, uh, what do I want to feel good about for me in my days and my effect on fitness, right? What do, what do I really do truly believe in that I think that I can do every day that contributes um, outside of myself, but that I know that it was some form of contribution? That question, and it led me to another question like, well, what's the real definition of impact, right? So 
you know, it, you know, will I just come up with ideas? Will I share with others? But if that impact is never measured or if nothing really ever gets done, was it really impactful? You know, so I, and you go into that space, of course, which takes time off the floor. So I think that, that uh, allowed me, you know, that cognitive kind of uh, space, you know, and call it what you want, right? Uh, meditative space, contemplation space, you know, time to just sit back more as opposed to uh, uh, drive things forward. One thing we were chatting about a little bit before we hit record here was uh, something that gets you very excited. And as a repeat podcast guest, you know, the easy questions, the questions about your, your background, the, the questions you can just kind of answer off the cuff. Hey, we've been through those. People have heard it. And if you've, if you've been with the pod, for all the listeners, if you've been with the Barbin podcast since James first came on, congratulations. It's awesome having you. And I, I hope that this one just adds to the conversation instead of repeating anything. And I, I think we're on the right track. Something, James, that you mentioned you're very excited about now is more of a mental component of intent when it comes to, and I might be butchering butchering this and butchering what you said, the, the why of fitness as far as client motivation, working with clients, uh, and, and getting more toward, to that base level motivational component. Talk a little bit about how you're thinking uh, in that has evolved in the last couple of years and, and what really gets you excited about that space. Yeah, I think it's the... Uh... I think it's that, well, you did butcher one word there. It's, uh, it, it's inspiration, not motivation. Um, and that's a key uh, difference. But I think the interest is in just, you know, uh, asking that big, hard question, like, what's the real reason why you exercise? And not stopping at what the first sub, the surface answer comes back at. Because my belief is that a lot of people walking around today are socially have been socially injected to answer that question very quickly. So I don't, I don't think a lot of people actually take time to say, no, really, what's the real reason why there's a couple of reasons why when you do come to the truth, you know, of why you, you do exercise, right. A lot of it seems immoral or lower order or seems like it's folly. And so, therefore, you're scared death of nihilism, right? Uh, secondly, you're scared shitless that you've been, you know, hoodwinked, right? That you're like, oh, well, uh, I, I can't be wrong on this, that I, you know, I do this because I want to be healthy. It's like, <laughs> maybe you are. Like, no, I'm not. It's like, what's wrong with you being wrong about your own thoughts on doing this for being, you know? So, those are the two, like, major stopping points when people ask that question. Um and I just find it fascinating. You know, I find it fascinating, which of course leads back to the previous thing I talked about of like the aha moments and the, the growth of the fitness industry and seeing so many people, you know, share ornaments, you know, and, be, and this, this is fitness. And, uh, and really like when you actually look at what the definition is of success and what the definition is of healthy, you know, um, it doesn't look like anything that's being sold. Nothing like it. And we know why. Uh, the, the consistent long-term plan for health and fitness is not sexy. So therefore, you can't sell it or you can't broadcast it. You can't gain attention from it. You know, So you can, I'm just voicing some of the things that come up when you start asking those questions. right? Like, what's the real reason? You know, um, And I could go on and on. There's 
you know, there's numerous thoughts that come from that. But I think if anything listeners could get is just just maybe just sit back and ask that question and uh, keep asking it maybe every couple of weeks. Right. Um, And try to figure out, you know, why you do it. And to get to the end, just so it lands people safely, right? So we don't freak people out. It's that's why I giggle, right? Right now, if you can't see me, I'm giggling. It's like it's folly, right? Like exercise participation today is a diversion tactic away from other things that you could be doing. That's what you'll end up seeing. But that is humorous, right? That's that's the beautiful human experiment. It's like, you know, we don't need to move. But we've been told that we need to do these things, right? And immediately when you make those statements, most people's brains get cracked. They're just like, I can't, I know, you know, I've always, you know, I just see the global gym. I see fitness. I see all these people doing things. We must have to do it. It's like, you don't have to do it. Why are you doing it? You know, and, you know, for to strong man to win a competition, that makes sense. You probably want to do those things. To lift weights over your head and to beat other people makes sense. You want to do those things, right? To win a CrossFit competition. Yeah, you can't walk in, right? From walking in the sun, lifting rocks, right? You got to do it. To live healthily. Mm. Now it starts to get, now you start to, yeah. So what's the context then of what you need to do for physical challenges that provides enough resilience to ward off bad shit cognitively and physically? And uh, that allows you to express yourself for your whole life. And when you land on that, after that big, arduous eight-year journey of asking, why do I exercise? You'll just giggle. It'll just be like, listen, I'm just binge pressing because I can do it. (laughs) Oh, I thought it was for your pecs and hypertrophy and like losing weight. It's like, no, not at all. It's just because it's there, right? I didn't have bench press 300 years ago, but it's right there. So, hey, why not? (laughs) I can do it. And look at this, I can do a row. And look at this, I can squat. You know, so, and David, I hope you got from there. You can see how people get really scared by going down that road of intentions because they don't want to deal with the fact that it's just a diversion tactic. It's just folly. There's no actual function to that that exercise. I, I, I love that you mentioned all this, but one nugget I want to pull out is earlier in the episode, you mentioned walking. And I think that in the strength community, and I'm very guilty of this. I'm guilty of this as an editor. I'm guilty of this as a podcast host. I'm guilty of this as an individual. Is I will often equate strength training elements with longevity, but but then I I will go a week or more without accruing any significant number of steps. And walking is maybe one of the most if if my why is longevity and long-term quality of life, why am I not doing the base level thing? Literally the bottom of the period, uh, pyramid of the hierarchy to preserve, to preserve that function long-term. And so if I ask myself that, my first reaction going through this mental exercise that you've been so kind to lead us on is, wait, why is it, why, why am I equating this with my why? That's clearly false because if that was truly my why, my one motivating factor, I'd be walking 25,000 steps a day at, at, and then doing things on top of that instead of prioritizing differently. So I appreciate that. And it's fun to kind of go through this mental exercise live. And I hope that our, I hope that our, re, our listeners get something out of that. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I think the words also your listeners want to pull from that is, is, your, is your noticing you had on you trying to define what longevity is. 
right? So inside longevity, and it's, it, listen, it's okay to hold different opinions in your mind at the same time. That's the thing. People don't think that they're free to do that, but you can, but you got to remember that, you know, the, you know, doing harder contractions and being sustainable, right? Which is the longevity component to tie into walking, et cetera, in different language you were just mentioning. Like that's been around for a long time, <laughs> you know, like a really long time. And because we don't need to move tribes every six months based upon the sun, right? That doesn't mean that we still do not, as I said, practice in the folly, right? Because we are set up to do it. And again, the, the main thing that people have issues with when you mention walking, they associate it with cardio, they associate it with aerobic work, they associate it with losing strength and losing gains, they associate it with, you know, uh, breakdown of muscle, you know, the, is, is it fat burning enough? You know, is it intense enough? You know, can I, can I post it? This is where it leads that, the conversation based on that. And I'm just going back saying, listen, you can do it. You know, everyone can do it. Um, and I don't need to apply, you know, I don't need to like lay on all the positive benefits of it. But should you want me to, it's a very simple answer. We've been doing it for a long period of time. Our body is mechanically set up to do it. Um, it doesn't provide any backlash against all the other things that you want to improve. Um, if anything, it's going to wind you down better. Um, it's going to provide vitamin D possibly at a, you know, at a level that could be at this point in time, really important for people's lives. Um, it's natural. When I say natural, it's a heavy, heavy word, but it is meaning it's outdoors. It's in a fractal environment. You're not in a box. You're not in a little square. I mean, I could go on and on. It's very positive, right? Um, so, but the word that I wrote down there, as you're mentioning is that I want, I purposely want to inject in the conversation. I want people to start using is sustainable. You know, what are sustainable practices? Not only what are sustainable practices in modality, i.e. lifting or aerobic work, but what are sustainable behaviors? That's the next step. So when you start practicing these things, like if you're lifting weights really intensely five times a week, you'll recognize after a couple of years, like that's not sustainable. Right. But it takes time. You see, you can't just, you know, so for someone who doesn't know about that and for someone who's selling it, they're going to say, oh, eight weeks, this program is going to take, take care of it. Right. But I want to do this for 60 years. Well, we're not really sure what's, what's going to work out for that one. But I can tell you this, you're going to get this in eight weeks. You know what I mean? So keep asking yourself, well, what is sustainable? Because then every time you do something, you're going to go, is this going to allow me to like do something again tomorrow? And is this a practice behavioral practice? that I'm putting in place that's going to allow me to do this over and over where people do some resistance three times a week. They do aerobic work four times a week and they press play on that motherfucker forever. And that's the, that's the story. Well, James, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I have to say, I, I always look forward to our conversations because it, it certainly gives me something to think about for the remainder of the day, which is one reason I'm glad we're recording in the morning because, you know, as I, as I walk around the re remainder of the day and, and now I will be walking, I'll be thinking, why am I doing this? And I'll be thinking about my inspiration versus motivation. I appreciate that inflection point in that comparison. Where is the best place for people to follow along with the work you're doing, which always seems to evolve and shift as, as it should, as, as your mindset shifts, uh, what's the best place for people to follow along? Yeah. Opexfit.com. Easy enough. I love it. I love it. 
It's all and and if you're looking for content, uh, obviously visit Barbed, folks. If you're looking for content, listen to our podcast. But uh, James is someone who is no stranger to the content game. So when he says visit to learn more, you can learn. You can go way way down the rabbit hole there. So just to clarify that, James, I really appreciate you taking the time. Always a pleasure to chat, and um, uh, that's that's really all I got to say. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for having me. Keep up the good work. What uh, what's the uh, what number of episode is this? Oh dear, because uh, we we release them not necessarily in the order we record. We're approaching two hundred episodes. Good for you. Solid. I, I think I maybe we've crossed that already. I don't know. I need to check with our editor. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, so you feel like you're having an impact? You know, it's it was difficult. I will say it's been difficult. Um, the last year, not seeing folks in person as much, not going to as many events, you know, not going to, for example, I go to a lot of USA weightlifting events because I work with the color commentary team. Right. And, and for me, that was a very consistent thing. Every other month I'm at an event and I'm seeing people and not really having that in person, you lose it. And actually I was at the CrossFit games this year, which was not my first in-person fitness or strength event, you know, during COVID, but it was one of the first, you know, call it four I had been to since things had started back up a bit. And literally walking through Vendor Village and having multiple people approach me. And I'm like a nobody. My social media is is nothing, right? It's all under the Barbend brand. Our team is amazing. Like I put myself out there on the podcast and that's about it. It was amazing having folks come up, coming up to me and saying, Hey, can I ask you a question about this episode? And I had multiple people coming up and saying, Hey, you were talking to this person. Why didn't you ask it this way? Or why didn't you ask this question? Um, and and boy, was that a great reminder because that I am very much an in-person dude and I need people to, I, I am validated. And I will say this is, we all search for validation. I am validated when someone comes up and asks me a question or says something to me kind of face to face. And and as events have started back up and I've been traveling to events, I've gotten more of that. And so it's, it has revitalized my my passion and excitement for this podcast because I know there are people out there who hopefully get some. Yeah. Yeah, super. Lots of good sign. Awesome. Thanks so much, James. Appreciate it. Hey, buddy. Take care.